0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm your guest bailiff, John Roderick. This week, visitation rights. Kevin brings the case against his friend Ross. Kevin lives in Brooklyn, and Ross lives in Nyack, a small town further north. Kevin says he's tired of making the trek to visit his friend in the country, and that Ross should come to visit the city once in a while. Ross says things are pretty much fine as they are. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide.
1: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. You started seeing them around town the following autumn. People in white clothing, traveling in same-sex pairs, always smoking. Lori recognized a few of them. Barbara Santangelo, whose son was in her daughter's class. Marty Powers, who used to play softball with her husband, and whose wife had been taken in the rapture, or whatever it was. Mostly they ignored you, but sometimes they followed you around as if they were private detectives hired to keep track of your movements. If you said hello, they just gave you a blank look, but if you asked a more substantive question, they handed over a business card printed on one side with the following message. We are members of the guilty remnant. We have taken a vow of silence. We stand before you as living reminders of God's awesome power and Judge John Hodgman's judgment is upon us. In smaller type, on the other side of the card was a web address you could consult for more information. www.maximumfund.org slash donate. Guest bailiff John Roderick, please swear them in. Kevin and Ross, please raise and
0: raise and rise your right hands. You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. You swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he is in no way a jurist, has undertaken no study of the law, is admitted to no professional association, nor passed any state bar, is recognized by no federal nor foreign agency, and derives his authority entirely and exclusively from his status as a grandiose former minor television personality. Yes. 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 Thank you, judge. You may proceed.
1: Now, let me ask you a question, guest bailiff John Roderick. Yes. Did you add the former to minor television personality? <laughs> was that cuz I know I said I know I said that you should adjust the uh, adjust the script to your own voice, and that feels like a John Roderick addition. <laughs> I
0: was improvising.
1: I will have to. I will have to find. I will have to take that up with <laughs> bailiff Jesse Thorne, who is away uh, this weekend next. So it is a pleasure to welcome you, John Roderick, uh, my friend, uh, collaborator, and inspiration—the uh, singer for the band uh, uh, The Long Winters and the songwriter, <laughs> well, uh, rock sir. star, raconteur, and host of his own podcast, not on the Maximum Fun Network called Roderick on the Line, with friend of the show Merlin Mann as well. Welcome, John. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Now, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin Ross, you may be seated. Uh, For an immediate summary judgment in one of yours' favors, can either of you name the piece of culture that I paraphrased, well, nearly, very nearly quoted verbatim till the very end, uh, and and identify its source?
2: I can't. I can either, or no.
1: You can you can either? You cannot either? I, I cannot either. Okay, okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I heard you. Kevin and Ross, you are both out. Out of the immediate <laughs> summary judgment game. What about you, John Roderick? Did you catch it? Uh, it, was, it uh, was it from Tripods? Oh, wow. It could have been, right? You're talking mm-hmm. about the famous series of young adult dystopian novels ahead of their time That's that right. Amy Mann clued us into. Uh, The Tripod series by, what's that guy's name? John Christopher, Mm -hmm. 1967. Mm -hmm. Look it up, everybody. But I am recommending this week a different novel called The Leftovers, a different kind of post-apocalyptic novel uh, by Tom Parada, uh, my my friend and other inspiration, uh, the literary uh, uh, genius and author of um, Little Children and Election, among others. He wrote this book Mm -hmm. called The Leftovers uh, about uh, a a suburban town where indeed the whole world uh, suddenly a rapture like event happens where millions of people just disappear in front of their family members eyes. No one knows exactly what happened. No one knows for sure if it's the rapture or what and the aftermath thereof. It is being made uh, currently into a television show for HBO. Uh, where Tom is working with other friend of the show, Damon Lindelof, the co-creator of Lost. Uh, and the pilot was filmed uh, last summer, uh, directed by a uh, friend of the show, though he doesn't know it, Peter Berg, who owns two copies of Dune. That's a deep cut for those of you who read my second book. Uh, <laughs> a, a, in a in a little town called Nyack, New York. Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. Now you catch the chain of events that brought me to that. John Roderick, I just saw Tom Parada at the Game of Thrones premiere last week. That's all I have to I have, just, just
0: I've, now purchased, I've purchased a copy of Game of Thrones so that I can be up to speed when we meet George R.R. R. Martin in Santa Fe later this year.
1: June 2nd this year, John Roderick and I will be at the Cocteau Theater in Santa Fe with George R.R. Martin in attendance. All right. That was it. That was a good podcast, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs) Anything you guys want to plug before we go? Okay. Sorry. Kevin, you bring the case against Ross uh, because Ross has moved from New York City to Nyack. Is that correct?
2: Yes. He moved um, quite a while ago, like almost like exactly five years ago, I think. Yeah. How old are you guys? I am 37. And I'm 33.
1: Right, you you are well, certainly certainly Ross is of an age where five years still feels like a long time. It's a it's a May September bromance. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know each other. You guys knew each other in the city of uh, uh, New York City or Brooklyn specifically.
3: Well, we met in Frankfurt actually in Germany, and then we met again in Berlin. And when we first were um, uh, our friendship was first blossoming. Kevin lived in Berlin, and I, Ross, who's talking, lived in Brooklyn.
1: Are you immortal time travelers destined to meet once every hundred years in a different major <laughs> city? Until, until one of you goes to die in Nyack, because there can be only one? <laughs> what do you do? Um, why, why are you meeting in all of these foreign towns, sir, Ross?
3: Um, we met at a literary conference. Kevin is a um, famous German author, and uh, oh. uh, I'm a translator and we met at a, at a literature conference where he was reading. And uh, we began our friendship as work colleagues. Um, and uh, we immediately clicked and, and we worked together uh, a bit. And then um, well, I guess first he visited me in Brooklyn and we had a friendly week that was both a work relationship and probably the beginning of our, our uh, friendship beyond a work relationship. And then um, he moved to New York City a couple of years later. Oh. Probably right around the time I moved to Nyack. He moved.
1: So am I speaking, Kevin, to Kevin Veneman? Oh yes. German yeah. author born in nineteen seventy seven. <laughs> yes. Author of That's... close to close to how do you pronounce it?
2: Um well I never figured out how to pronounce it in English, but in German I say Yedenev. I close don't know to Ross, what do do. Yeah.
3: It was my fault for not transliterating it. Wait, am uh, I
1: and am I speaking to Ross Benjamin, the, the translator of Close to Yenenev by Kevin Veneman? This is how we became, we
3: connected, actually, we connected a little bit before we entered into the working relationship where I'm his translator. Um, but that was sort of where we came to know each other.
0: So, you, How do I join this relationship?
1: <laughs> I don't know, John. What are the languages that you speak? <laughs> I, I feel like I have a lot to add. Uh, I don't speak German, sadly. <laughs> that is sad. You should. I know. You should, uh, anyway. Um, okay, so, Kevin, you do have something to plug, which is the, your literary works. You're a novelist and a short story writer?
2: Yes. Yeah, that is that is true.
1: And um, and having, I, I confess, I have not actually read Close to Yetinev, translated by Ross Benjamin and published in English by Melville House Publishing, publishers of how to sharpen pencils by David Reese. Uh, but, uh, I'm curious about it. What is it about?
2: Well, it is a, um, it's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's probably easiest to describe as a, um, as a singular historical event set in the past. And the event is a anti-Jewish pogrom, um, which might or might not be, uh, Happening during the Holocaust, it's a little unclear. It's ambivalent in terms of place and and time a little. Um, did,
1: and yes, go ahead. Did you write it?
2: Because <laughs> it I would seem if it. anyone
1: would know for sure, it would be you.
2: <laughs> right, but um, I mean, but technically, I don't know. I like to present it as I mean, I don't know a lot more. It is than the fictive, text does. It is
1: a fictive pogrom ha- yes. occurring concurrently with the Holocaust historically.
2: Yes. Right.
1: Yeah, and and it is purposefully ambiguous whether or not it is factual history. That's true. Yes. All right. And uh, and uh, and and Ross, you are a a translator of German into English. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So you guys met, and then did you did in, in all these different countries at literary festivals? You were living truly the the the, the McSweeney's dream of international literary stardom. And perhaps followed that dream all the way to one of its many birthplaces, Brooklyn, a great literary town. Or, or it established such a reputation in the 1990s when it was still possible for a writer to afford to live here. Mm-hmm. Now that is all done. Only former television personalities are allowed to live in Brooklyn <laughs> now. And Kevin, you are hanging on by a thread. But Ross, you five years ago, you made it out to NIAC. Describe Nyack for our listeners and tell us why you moved there.
3: It's a lovely river town, uh, on the Hudson, uh, in New York, uh, at the, uh, in the lower Hudson Valley. Um, uh, it, it's, uh, has a, a sort of sweet quaint downtown with shops and, um, cafes and restaurants and, uh, uh, YMCA and a library. Uh, it has a, a storied literary and artistic history. Uh, Carson McCullers lived here. Uh, Edward Hopper was born here and his house is converted into a gallery. Uh, Joseph Cornell lived here.
1: Does it look like a a diner? Does his house look like a diner? In the middle uh, of the night? Edward Hopper's house? Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, it should. Uh, No, I guess that wasn't his inspiration. Uh, His birth house was not his ultimate inspiration. It's uh, more rustic.
1: That's uh, that. That picture is called "Nighthawks at the Diner," right? Isn't it?
3: That it, it is. Yeah. It's
1: also the name of a Tom Waits double live album. But that was taken from the Edward Hopper painting, very famous painting. And what city is that set in? Hmm. I wonder. Let's look it up, everybody. Quickly, <laughs> quickly! Everyone in their cars, listening right now. Pull, pull over and get your your. Uh, where do I'm you think? Say Chicago. It's Chicago, right? I yes. think that's where the
3: painting is. The
1: painting is Ang's in Chicago. It hangs in Chicago. In the
3: Art Institute, I think, is its permanent home,
1: I believe. The themes that may or may not be embedded in Nighthawks are ambiguous. Boy, this guy took a page from Kevin Veneman. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, here it is. Hopper chose to paint seat located at a sharply angled street corner rather than at one of New York's many right angled intersections. So oh, it's I'm a New say, York paint. I'm gonna say it's New York. So, in other words, Edward Hopper was born in Nyack and then got the feces out of town as soon as possible. How much time did Carson McCullers spend in Nyack? Seven days? No, she died here. (laughs) This was where she um, ended up. So, Nyack, Uh, Nyack killed her. Well, yeah, ultimately, I guess it did. Look, Ross, no one moves to Nyack because they want to live in Carson McCullersville that's oh, that's, no, that's that's something you find out later. that's something you, yeah that's something you find out later and tell to people who live in the city to justify why you made the move but there should be no justification your truth should be good enough Ross why did you move to Nyack? oh it how many kids do you,
3: you have <laughs> we've got a two year old right um, there we
1: go we moved
3: here five years ago but with with that already in mind yeah um so you already know the answer we were living in Brooklyn and started to contemplate what it would be into we, were, we had gotten married a couple of years before and started to contemplate what it would mean to have and raise a child right. in Brooklyn.
1: Right. And, yeah. and that and – that first of all, let's stipulate I always know the answer, in, in, right. in part because I had background information on you before I even started talking. <laughs> but in double part because I can sniff out a dumb lie about why I moved to a place all the time.
3: Oh, wait. You just asked me to describe the place.
1: No, and I said no, why no, did you move sense. and then why did you oh, move okay. there? <laughs> but you could have described it and said, it's a lovely place to raise a family, and that's why we moved here. You didn't have to go down oh. this whole Edward Hopper rat hole to right. to steal a Merlin manism. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think
3: I started to assume a role for the tourist bureau of NIAC.
1: Yeah. Well you feel you feel the need to justify the decisions that you've made in your life because Kevin, a current international literary star, <laughs> And Kevin, are you married? No, I'm not. Do you have a significant other in your life? I'm
2: working on something.
1: Well, we're Uh-oh. gonna we're gonna get that sorted out by the end of this podcast. <laughs> that, that, that's,
0: a very, that's a very German answer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no. What, what would be Ross? How 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 would you how would you translate into German uh, uh, potential romance craft?
3: Potentieller Liebeskunst i don't know that's your
1: potentiale Liebeskunst kunst is your is your uh uh journey right now in your life kevin so it is appropriate for you to be living in brooklyn where in brooklyn do you live i live in bushwick in bushwick yeah coolstown uh you uh you are um uh unmarried you you're working on potential romantic you don't have any children i don't you don't have any pets No. You have no, no but you have a net, you have a network of friends.
2: Yeah, it's not a big network, but Mm -hmm. I do have, yeah, a smaller one. Yeah.
1: You have a small network of friends who are also in their late thirties who are living in Bushwick, pretending they're in their early twenties. You know, no. Um,
2: Most of my friends, even those that have remained in the city are married and have um, one child each. Yeah.
1: So it can be done. And you're saying that your network is small enough that it cannot tolerate The loss of Ross.
2: Well, yes, yes.
1: Let's get down to it. You want Ross to visit Brooklyn more often, and he doesn't. And you want me to order him to spend more time with his old friend and his old life of indolent Bushwick flaneering with you, correct?
2: Well... It's not about the time that he spends with me. I mean, like, we we do spend a fair amount of time with each other, and we talk on the phone a lot, and, um, I mean, but we only get to spend time together when I visit him him in Nyack, and um, I actually enjoy going to Nyack.
1: You like Um, going to Nyack, but he doesn't come to visit you in Brooklyn enough. That is true. Okay, and that is the substance of this case. Yes. How many times have you visited him in Nyack?
2: Um in the beginning I went like sometimes I would even go every week um in the very beginning now I go about once a month I want to say or maybe three every 3 weeks um I would love to go more often but it's I mean it's quite a trip out there so but um
1: How long a trip is I, it to NIAC? Excuse me? How long a trip is it to Nyack?
2: 45 minutes? Well, I mean door to door it's 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 more to two hours, I think. I take the train. Right. To
1: ter- I appreciate I appreciate that it is not a European style super fast train.
2: <laughs> no, the train is fast enough, but then there's the the subway, of course, and then um
1: So you were going once a week? And you, I that, used to go. Like yeah. during my first year. And you in would New York, stay I, over you would stay overnight at their house? Yes. Hmm. Have you ever considered the possibility that you were being a terrible nuisance to this family? <laughs>
3: No, we adopted him when he came to Brooklyn. Okay, he had a he had a tough time finding an apartment that was really hospitable in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to offer him some refuge.
1: And so, uh, we, did you? Uh, did he stay with you when you lived in Brooklyn?
3: Uh, no. Uh, by the time he came to the city, I was in Nyack.
1: You've never lived in the same city together.
3: No no that's right yeah
1: ross how many times have you visited uh uh kevin in uh, in brooklyn since you moved to nyack
3: um uh i think once it, and not in his current apartment <laughs> uh we've seen each other in manhattan more often um kevin is a uh is a doctoral student at nyu and I would go come in to do something. And what, and what uh, would you do?
1: What would you do when you when you hang around when you come to New York and visit with him? What do you guys do?
3: I think I only went to his apartment. I went to his first apartment to help him move in and to see it. And uh, I came twice to that apartment. I think once for a bigger get together and once at the early end to help him move some things. I think we took him to IKEA. John,
1: John, was Ro- John nice. Roderick bailiff John Roderick. Do I, have, yes, do I have permission to treat Ross as a hostile witness?
0: Yeah, I think you should I think you should drill down on him.
1: Ross, I don't want to hear yes. about the very specific dates you came and visited him. <laughs> I want to get ballpark ideas of how many times you come to Brooklyn okay. versus how many times he comes to NY. Ni- now, we know he comes to Nyack or uh, 5 years ago he was there every week because right. he's a, a sad lonely foreigner. <laughs> and now he's now he's expanded his circle. Of of friends to probably three or four other bitter literary novelists, but he still comes up there a couple times a month. You saying you you've come to see him in Brooklyn perhaps once?
3: I've come, I'd say three times, three times to see sport. him in Brooklyn. Now, and when you come down and other visit times to
1: Manhattan. him, all right, thank you. When you come <laughs> down and visit him, do you bring your wife and child, or do you just come by yourself? Uh, one of those times,
3: my wife was there. We didn't have a child yet.
1: Okay. And what do you guys do when you hang out in Brooklyn? Do you go to the movies? Do you go to the bars of Bushwick? Do you sit down and work on an exquisite corpse story together at a cafe? <laughs> do you do some translating? Do you do some Potenziale liba kunste? <laughs> What, May I, what, I respond? No, wait, Ross, You gonna yeah. prepare your response, Ross. Now uh-huh. I want you to come up with a word for potential romance craft. I usually translate it from German into English. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> okay. Potential romance craft without intention of consummation. What we would call flirting, but what a German would call some long word that goes on for 15 days, <laughs> which is what you do as a married happily married person out on the town with your german friend talking to young women but in a in a in a relatively innocent or gray area sort of way where you might be flirting a little bit or they with you but you know that that's, that nothing's going to happen but you have your friend with you and it could happen wingmanning and i guess you would say just come up with a german a german word an accurate german description of that now go ahead kevin <sighs> me oh i Oh, um, you had a response. What do you guys do when you hang out together in New York City? Do you act oh, like thirty? Do you act like thirty-seven-year-old people, or do you act like thirty-three-year-old people, or do you act like twenty-five-year-old
2: authors we and translators? Like, I don't know. Maybe like fifty-year-old people. That's
1: what I was going to say. Do yeah. right, you yeah. work on that word, sir? <laughs> no. So, all right. Then tell me. Tell me.
2: Well, the three times that we have met in Brooklyn, like Ross said, the first time he helped me move into my apartment Um, the second time he visited me. No, that's acting um, like,
1: first of all, that's acting like a 19 year old person. John Roderick. Yes. I need an immediate ruling from you as a man of the world. At what age do people stop helping their friends move into apartments?
0: Well, I do feel that some somewhat the fact that he is German mitigates this experience because it's, uh, I feel like Ross was not just helping him move into the apartment, but helping him move to America. That's true. Yes. All right. And so that is somewhat of a, that's, that's, that's not just like moving some crates of books. Jeez. That is like chaperoning someone into their new American life, which is, you know, which is a real
1: thing. Apparently no one can answer a simple question anymore. You're all German (laughs) novelists. (laughs) It's all, it's all, it's, it's all ambiguous.
0: It is a very ambiguous transition.
1: <laughs> and I was still in my
3: twenties at that time.
0: <laughs> Late twenties.
3: Right.
1: But but, John, but I
0: don't feel, I don't feel that right. helping him move into his
1: apartment qualif- or it qualifies as like a social visit. I agree. Go on, Kevin, give me another social visit.
2: The second visit was when I had finally sorted out my apartment issues, and I was, um, like Ross said, um, I had invited a few friends, and Ross came specifically for that night for that event. Oh, like for um, for 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 a dinner uh, party that I threw, and um, we we hung out that night. It was probably I don't know ten people, maybe twelve people. Yeah. And the um, third time and last time that was in. October
1: 2010,
3: I think, was Whoa. when. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs>
2: <Whoa>. <laughs> there was um, when both of them, Ross and his wife, um, came to Brooklyn to um, go to a restaurant with me and another friend. Um, and um, and I think, in addition to that, we maybe met like two or three times at Manhattan coffee shops on campus or around campus. Um, like Washington Square Park around there in Washington, so, in Manhattan.
1: Okay. What were your, what were your apartment issues? You had difficulty finding an apartment?
2: No, I found an apartment right away, but I, um, I did not have, um, safe hot water or heat. And I was, I spent like the first six or seven months of my stay in New York. Do you New mean York to say, by, do you
1: mean to say that you had unsafe hot water and unsafe heat or yes, you, everyone you didn't have everyone, hot water, heat or a wall safe. Well, which are the three things was, that I require of any apartment that I move into.
2: <laughs> the problem was that every time I turned on the water boiler, um, gas leaked from the boiler or from the appliances around there. And so, which meant that I could not have hot water or heat without gas being all over the apartment. And I was I, I was spending a lot of time at the Brooklyn Housing Court trying to get my landlord to do something about it, and um, which was... I don't know. It was just frustrating awesome. so what's and your, very depressing.
1: All right. All right. What's, Which is what's, a great
0: introduction to moving to America. It's like yes. moving to Romania.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you move from Berlin? I did. Yes. I've never been, but I hear it's a fantastic city.
2: Yeah. It's one it's, of the best. It's nice. It's nice there. Yeah.
1: Nice. Good housing stock? I think it is very good. Yeah. Oh, right. mm-hmm.
0: It's kind of like Bushwick if Bushwick was a whole city.
1: Fantastic. <laughs>
0: If Bushwick was an entire city that had been bombed, uh, almost completely into rubble by the Allies, except for the Jer- the East German side,
1: and then built again, and now functions
0: as a, as a replica of itself, and right? with a,
1: with about ten times more electronic dance music. Uh, so but now you have that all sorted out. Thank you for that history of your of your of the gas leak in your apartment. You have it all sorted out. You live in Bushwick. Do you have a one-bedroom apartment, a two-bedroom apartment, an open-plan loft? What do you got? I
2: have a one-bedroom
1: apartment. All right. And do you have what is what is your guest accommodations for for Kevin to start making up for the weeks and weeks and weeks you came over to his house and dirtied his sheets and and drank all of his coffee in Nyack? What do you well, got? A full-back have- couch. What do you got? A futon. You want him I to bring his ni- family and his child into into your one bedroom apartment in Bushwick? How's that fun? Make a case, Kevin.
2: Well, if he if he if he wanted to bring his wife and the child, of course, he would have the bedroom and I would retreat to the couch. The that couch is, by the way is very very comfortable. That is very and, gracious. Uh, very nice to sleep on and I am sure Ross would enjoy it. Yes.
1: Is it a fold is it a folding out couch or is it a mm. No, it's not. Is it's it a, not. Is it? A, is it? A, is it a Bauhaus, uh, a, f- <laughs> a, f- a fainting divan?
2: I wish it was. No, but it's not. It's just an IKEA couch, but it's a very good one. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. I, I don't know if there's anything I can say after that. You <laughs> want your friend to come down to Bushwick, a grown man with a child. To sleep on an IKEA couch in Bushwick?
2: He can have my bed <laughs> if he wants not... to, but the couch is just as good as the bed. Oh, I don't almost. even want to hear. Good. I
1: don't. I don't even want to hear about about your futon that you were calling a bed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you sleep on? A tatami mat? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I have a real bed, and it's a really good one too.
1: What kind of mattress do you have? Memory foam? I think so. Yes. Yeah. All right. You're off the hook then. Okay. <laughs> Ross, 2010, you haven't visited your friend in Brooklyn. Aren't you overdue?
3: I I do think I'm overdue, yes. I, I with all best intentions, have not managed to visit him in Brooklyn yet. And what I, mean I all think all I'm best, guilty of
1: that. With all best intentions. What does that mean? It, that it's not that I Like one day actually, you get up and you're like, oh, I got to remember to go visit my friend today. Oh, I forgot.
3: Well, for the record, it's not as if Kevin has been inviting me. Um, on a weekly or even monthly basis, why don't you come over to Brooklyn on Saturday? And I've been saying no. It's that we. I think we've been in this kind of um, habit because of our history of him.
1: I appreciate that that Habsburg court protocol requires a written invitation, an engraved (laughs) written invitation for you to come visit your friend who obviously wants (laughs) you to come visit him.
3: I want to see, I genuinely want to see his neighborhood. I, when I lived in Brooklyn, I, I never was in Bushwick. I, I lived in Carroll gardens and yeah. I want to see what it's like to live in Bushwick. I want to, I, I genuinely do want to, um, uh, I don't want this part of his life to be a blind spot in our friendship. Uh, I just think this is the first two years I've had my kid, um, yeah, and uh, we've had a long history of Kevin coming to Nyack. Both of us are very busy, and when there's a free weekend, it seems often to be the case that Kevin's eager to get out of the city and come to Nyack. Wait a minute. It suits me
1: well. Look, I was with you with your kid. I was with you with the habit of him coming to Nyack. Frankly, you have a you have a child, and for the most part, everything gets excused. But listen, remind me for a second. Kevin is a novelist. Mm-hmm. And Ross you're a translator? That's right. How are you both very busy? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Kevin is writing a doctoral dissertation and okay. uh, I'm a, I'm translating Kafka's diaries. Oh really? Yeah, so that that keeps you busy.
0: And and point of order. Yeah. Kevin would be operating under Prussian court
4: excuse me <laughs> I, I knew.
1: i totally I, knew, I i knew that i was blowing that the moment i said it but i but i also knew that i that i had uh the, the very specific pedantry of john roderick to fall back on to support to support to catch me in my fall and i appreciate it john Bra- brandenburg corp i, I do corp. Ap- i do apologize yes. how, how would you have restated that joke me, Ooh, me. No, never mind. Good. We
2: all got it. <laughs> I think it. Prussian was, Prussian was correct. Yeah.
1: Prussian. Very good. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Kevin. Yes. You want me to order this guy to go visit you? Make a case, make your case. Tell him what a great weekend you're going to have.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I like to point out that I'm, you know, not not mad or anything. And I don't think that no, I... You seem
1: eerily calm to me. <laughs> I, I am very calm because
2: I, um, like Ross pointed out, this is not something that we had, that we've been fighting about for, for a long time. And also it's not, I want to point out because I, like whatever needed more of his attention, I get quite a lot of attention from him. I just sometimes think that it would be good for him to maybe, I don't know, get out of his comfort zone, travel to to Brooklyn, spend the weekend with me. Maybe we would go to the movies or see some art, or maybe we would just, I don't know, go to a bar or even. I don't even go to bars, but I think Ross enjoys bars, and um, we would do something like that. Something, I guess, very simple and nothing overly exciting, but something different maybe, and something that he does not get to do on a regular basis up in Nyack.
1: You are the um, one, you are, you are apparently, you and I share a, a somewhat different opinion and theory when it comes to telling stories. For you, specificity is not the soul of narrative. <laughs> <laughs> you want to leave everything, every opportunity on the table, but you are willing to <laughs> at least endure a bar for your friend. You have not made a very strong case. Other than moral rights, droit moral, as they say in the Prussian court. (laughs) (laughs) But you have not really laid you've not really set the table for what an awesome weekend, what an awesome Bushwick getaway the two of you are going to enjoy.
0: Well, I I, I have to interject again that he is that he is fighting against a Teutonic history of um, like uh, emotional reticence. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it is in his German nature to equivocate and remain calm, even as his emotions are boiling inside.
1: <laughs> so what he's saying, which is, I'm not really angry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. If he were to come, we would we have might a, go to a bar. We might do whatever pleases him. Right. Really masks. I am really upset and I want to see my friend, and we are. I have a very specific bar in mind that I'm going to go to.
0: <laughs> but, but <laughs> the thing is, he uh, he is unconscious of that inner life, and so he really is expressing what he thinks are his feelings.
2: Oh, I see. Maybe it's just, if I may interject, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> maybe <it's,
3: laughs>
2: you know, I don't, I don't have that many awesome and exciting weekends here myself. It was not that I. You know, I'm I'm pretty quiet, and I usually just on Fridays I may, might go see some art, and on Saturdays I stay in and work. And I have, to be honest, I, I yeah, like I said, I don't I don't spend crazy weekends out in 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 Bushwick, and I might have to do some research and maybe more accurately plan a weekend for us if Ross were to come at any point. And um, it just probably
1: yeah, you'd have to study some productivity tables. You'd need to look at some. <laughs> Some, some natural resource (laughs) geological surveys. I understand. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Look, you don't have to plan a fancy pants weekend. You're not inviting me to come hang out with you in Bushwick though. By the way, I'll be there.
2: Great. I look forward.
1: Just to say to your old friend, I would like you to visit. I miss you. We'll have a good time and maybe we'll go see this art exhibit that I was thinking of. What do you think friend? Like what art exhibit would you take him to see? Give me something here, Kevin, um, or you're going to be alone in Bushwick forever. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: Ross likes um, the Hudson River School a lot. I take an interest in the Hudson yeah, River he lives School on too. The Hudson River, <laughs> I know. He, um, but moreover, I think we recently talked about the single one African American member of the Hudson River School. Um, Robert S. Duncanson in whose work we are both very interested in. And I think I would take him, for example, just an example to the Metropolitan Museum where there is one of his works and we would probably go and, and um, take a look and try to figure out what's, what's going on there. And um, for
0: example, that's just something that I can think of. I
1: love it. I love it.
0: Ross, that sounds like an amazing
1: day out. I want to go. Absolutely interested. I would, I would, uh, I think we all want to go now. You see how yeah. sometimes specifying something, <laughs> saying that something actually exists that you can go and see and do or was real, uh, 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 entices the reader to want to learn more.
0: <laughs> I totally want
4: to go.
1: To you that. painted a picture. You painted a picture, a word picture that is very enchant. I don't know. I don't. I don't know whether it will. Uh, whether it will speak to Ross. But we'll find out after I make my judgment, Ross. Before I go into chambers, is there anything else you want to say? And whatever you say, can it, your sentence include the word that I commissioned from you for uh, potential romance craft without intention of consummation?
3: Oh man, I don't know what consummation is in German,
1: Kevin. Do you, Kevin? You obviously don't know either, <laughs> or else you have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't. Why don't you guys work together while I'm in chambers and we can sort it all out.
0: (laughs) Please rise as judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Now, uh, you guys, how, how do you feel about your chances, Ross?
3: Well, um, I didn't get to make my sort of closing argument, which is, um, that I would like to retain this, uh, uh, the opportunity to go voluntarily to visit Kevin because I, um, really think that I I would. So uh, I almost don't, to some extent, it it wouldn't matter if he orders me to go to Brooklyn, I'll be happy to go. I'd be happy to go to the Metropolitan Museum. So I'd be happy for Kevin to win in that sense. On the other hand, um, uh, I'd prefer not to be ordered to go, and then I could do it voluntarily. (laughs) Uh Um, And I'm uh, uh, a little bit, um, I suspect that I'm going to be ordered to go.
0: Well, uh, let me ask you guys this question, Uh, Ross, although you are obviously very familiar and well-versed with German culture and European culture, and Kevin, although you are extraordinarily fluent in English and also like a very cosmopolitan person, do you feel that there is somewhat of a culture miscommunication maybe at the heart of this, that Kevin's expectation of friendship is European and that Ross, you are, mm. you have an, a sort of an American response to it and that that is part of the Frisian.
3: Uh, that's actually pretty insightful. I, I could be sensitive to that, but I, I feel like I, I, my conception is that it, it, it isn't so different from Kevin's. I, I think it is right to have some sort of reciprocity that may well be a more European you know, Americans can be a little more casual about stuff like that sometimes and think, well, whatever, however it works, it works. Um, but I think I would fall more into the European camp, but I've just kind of failed to, to uh, live up to it <laughs> so far.
2: I wouldn't know if there are specific differences between American and European conceptions of, of, of friendship. Um, and anyway, I'd like to point out that Ross is a pretty great friend. I mean, and... Um, um, apart from his failure to 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 visit me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, otherwise, I, yeah.
0: Sure. That that that. I mean, one of those components is maybe the that that European friendships have like a a, a more fo- formal component that American friendships are characterized by this casualness that Ross is saying, and that in In Europe, there's just this little extra bit of formality to things that is not even – it doesn't even rise to the level of conscious awareness,
1: but it is part
0: of the expectation.
3: I think it's fair to say that that in Germany, if someone's your friend, that there's a certain degree of loyalty that's immediately expected and that most people will also make an effort to live up to uh, that I think in American – might feel that they can be more blasé mm-hmm. um, and not follow through maybe not be as reliable um, but there's a certain expectation of dependability i think uh, and that was my experience in germany but i thought that suited me better than the american model that here i've always been wondering well if someone doesn't call me back what does that mean and that it was very reassuring when i lived in berlin for a time that you know if i knew someone was my friend i could be sure they would call me back they would this is it me. <laughs> right. <So.
0: laughs> Kevin, there's this, uh, there's this aspect to your case that also is um, like you, you seem to have a desire on behalf of Ross that he not disappear all the way into his mossy yeah. hobbit hole, <laughs> but that he, that he's remained somewhat an active participant in the, adult world. And, um, and I, uh, how much of that do you feel is, uh, is real altruism on Ross's behalf? And how much of it is just uh selfish desire for his time couched in a, in a clever argument?
2: Well, I think, yeah, that is actually what I was trying to say earlier. I'm the main reason for why I brought this case before the court is that I, um, really would like him to to be maybe like a bit more varied in his in his activities or like maybe kind of like every once in a while have the courage maybe even to venture out more often and see some something different every once in a while and maybe um thereby not only add to his life but also to our like a friend like our friendship a different a different component which is why i agree to what ross said earlier when he said that he would actually prefer not to be ordered to visit mm-hmm. me because I somehow, I, I don't want him to be ordered to visit me either. I guess I would like him to be ordered to leave his comfort zone more often than he does.
0: Well, uh, th- these were all very thoughtful answers. We'll be back in just a moment with John, uh, Judge John Hodgman's decision.
4: You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join.
1: The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babel. Okay, it's 2020, 2024. 20, 20, 20, One study found that using Babel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbelcom slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting auraframes.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A U R A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re enters the courtroom.
1: Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, well, first of all, let me just say uh, before you guys finish sending those uh, pedantry letters, uh, the name of the diner—excuse me—the name of the Edward Hopper painting is Nighthawks. Period. Mm. Not Nighthawks at the diner. That's on me. That was. I Tom... don't think there's a period at the end of it, Franklin. Oh, another one. <laughs> another pedant. <laughs> Nighthawks on the, at the diner was Tom Waits' own little riff on that. So now we've got that out of the way regarding Nyack's favorite son, Edward Hopper. Let me say there is nothing wrong with Nyack. I have never been there. I am sure it is a wonderful town. I have heard lovely things about it. Uh, Carson McCullers fans from Japan flock there every summer. I'm sure, and take great tour buses around, take pictures of the. Of the wonderful sights That's a very oblique reference To the insane appreciation For Anne of Green Gables That Japanese school have That bring them to Prince Edward Island Every summer It's very weird It's an, uh, it's an obsession In any case uh, And I, I'm sure that you've built A wonderful life for yourself There, Ross With your wife And uh, you have a son Did you say a two-year-old son? That's right And what is his name? John Hodgman?
3: Uh, we didn't think of that. It's Aaron after my my grandfather.
1: <laughs> well, this still he's he probably doesn't know his own name yet, so you can still change it. And
3: I should mention my my little dog
1: Alvie too, who's no, part of the family. No, thank you. Okay, <laughs> not interested. <laughs> but look, yeah, you got a lovely you got a lovely life up there uh, with your wife and your baby and your dog, and you have this wonderful German friend who comes up and visits you apparently every other day, and it's great, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with this, right? Uh, at first, I thought this was going to be a, a case where uh, uh, the 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 German friend who lives in Bushwick wasn't able to accept that you had matured, married, grown up, and moved out, and was trying to reel you back in for urban adventures and potentiale <laughs> every every Saturday night, just like it was the old days, to try to recapture something. But in talking I, uh, to to you both, I realize it's not the case at all. You're both mature dudes uh, who have who have are different places in your life, but they're not they're 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 not uh, 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 that asymmetrical that you can't enjoy a, a friendship together. And the the real problem here, simply Ross, is that you've been a terrible friend. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you've been a terrible friend. Because you are letting, even though even though you have the uh, 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 the most important and 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 by far ironclad excuse of all time, I have a little baby, or a young child in this case, a, a, a toddler, uh, and you can get out of all social obligations if you so wish. Uh, it is nonetheless true that you do yourself. You do your your friendship and yourself a disservice if you do not maintain contact with the humans in your life who do not have children. Now, this isn't to say that you should be down in the city every weekend, but you have failed to visit your friend in Brooklyn for four years, since 2010. And that baby has only been around for two years, <laughs> And frankly, your argument about how busy you both are uh, holds about as much water as a sieve, as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> you have to appreciate that as gracious. Now you understand as gracious and non-confrontational as Kevin is, uh, he does not want to come up to Nyack and just watch binge watch Walking Dead every weekend with you and your wife. <laughs> he wants to go see art at the Metropolitan Museum of Same and i would argue that it is important though not of most critical importance the most critical important thing in your life right now i think is to balance um your personal happiness your happiness in your marriage and your ability to be a great dad and also to find a loving home for your dog but all of those responsibilities <laughs> are very are very are very important right now but equally, it is important for you and your wife, whom we haven't mentioned because this is the most romantic episode of all time, <laughs> to maintain a remnant of your independent adulthood. Now, John Roderick and I uh, are very lucky to be in the performing arts, uh, and it is part of our it is part of our professional lives, regardless of our domestic situations. Which, in my case, I am married and. in in John's case is, is a, as ambivalent as a Germanic novel. <laughs> to occasionally swain around the country together, uh, like lads, to go do a show, say, in uh, in different in different towns around the country, including Santa Fe on June second, uh, for the pleasure uh, of of uh, his grace George R R Martin. And this, I think, at least in my case, and I can't speak for John, among some of my other. Uh, male and platonic female friendships uh, that that are that are are uh, 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 apart from the friendships my wife and I have together and then the friends we make through our kids and so forth they're an important part of my life. It is important to remember what it is uh, within balance of the rest of your responsibilities uh, to to share uh, a, a singular friendship with one other person and maybe go look at a painting together of an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Or remember what it is like to be an independent adult uh, so they do not get totally lost um, in the in the wonderfully fulfilling but also consuming life of a young married parent. And so I think that it is imperative that you visit your friend, he, especially now that I have bullied him into actually making a plan. <laughs> you know, and I... I, I, don't, I don't discount the fact that no specific invitation had been offered allowed you, within the conventions of uh, American casual friendship, to just ignore him for a long period of time. But <laughs> I think that it's important that this wake-up call happened. Neither of you wish me to order you to visit New York City, and for precisely that reason, I am so ordering it. one because if i don't order it i don't think it's it's possible ross that it'll just fall by the wayside and two as a as a lesson to to my german friend living in bushwick that specificity is the soul of (laughs) narrative not ambiguity you want him to you want him to simply feel more inclined to do a thing but one's nature does not change one's life is not affected without direct action it's like exercise it's like exercise you know if we I all made... want to be thin but you can't be thin unless you go out there and run on a treadmill like a monster every now and then what were you going to say Kevin i apologize
2: I think I was going to say that we have actually made specific plans for a visit last last summer in in August I think for a very specific weekend like 3 weeks later which was forgotten about at the time by or who? kind of um but I have to admit though
3: that was the who single one Who was it forgotten
1: time. who was it forgotten about by by, by both um, of you or by Ross and you sat at home Must have been me cuz I still don't remember yeah. this <laughs> You sat at home quietly writing poetry angrily <laughs> Yeah, well, that's all um, That's all in the past now, because guess what? I want you guys to open your calendars right now, set a date for the viewing okay. of this painting by Robert S. Duncanson.
2: Okay. Let's, let's do let's, it. Let's do
1: it. Okay,
3: <laughs> we'll do it on, uh, on Saturday.
2: Let's see, this Saturday? Mm-hmm. Looks good. Yes.
3: You guys know how to do (laughs) it. I'm babysitting my sister's uh, uh, a baby on Saturday. What about Sunday?
1: Uh, Sunday. Let's do it on Sunday.
2: Okay, then I'm okay. That will work as well. But
1: this is an overnight. This is an overnight. It is. Oh, yeah. Exciting. And I can't do it this weekend.
2: I can help you sit your baby sister.
1: Yeah, you go Mm -hmm. up. You go up.
2: At your sister's baby. Yeah,
1: here's what you do. You go up. You go up this weekend. Uh, for one last fling in nyack and you take you take your babies you take all those babies you go over to the storm king art center mm-hmm. uh, i don't think it'll be open Which this we've done it's not open this weekend yet next weekend mm-hmm. and then and then the following weekend saturday night you explain to your wife you're going to go visit your friend by yourself she's going to be mad but you're going to make a deal. No, she, she
3: wants me to do this. Oh, she does. She's okay. very supportive of my case. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So then you just go and you're going to look at the Robert S. Duncanson thing and you're going to remember what it was like to be single and alone in the world full of potential Liebeskunst. <laughs> and, uh, and, that, and that will help you keep your life in balance. And then you will support your wife when it comes time for her to do, do the exact same thing with whatever friend she wants to go gallivant around with. And I hope uh, she has it, a more ex-
3: free on sa- that Saturday, I, so
1: we'll do I, good. And I hope she has a more exciting weekend than you guys got planned. But it's cool <laughs> for you guys. It's great. <laughs> and John Roderick, you're absolutely right. You should start bringing your child to the city. But two two I guess you would probably disagree, John, because you you like to bring your child everywhere. But two, I feel like it's just gonna be a hassle and they're not gonna remember anything.
3: No, oh, he's played on the on the playground in Brooklyn visiting other friends before. Oh, okay.
0: Wow. Uh the uh, the the point of taking your child to the city when they're 2 or 3 or 4 is not that the child remember but that you the adult get in the habit of thinking of your child not as an impediment to living a f- Fully fledged life.
1: I I fully support that. And I do not suggest you're absolutely right. And I do not suggest, Ross, that you take your child or that you leave your child behind because that is a bad idea. I think that there is an emotional imperative here that involves you to go into that museum and looking at that painting. And then later on, you can bring your kid whenever you want, whenever you want. Also, it's good, John Roderick. Would you agree? It's good to bring kids to the city because it builds up their antibodies.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, let them lick every pole <laughs> yeah. in the
1: subway, and they will never get he sick. Goes again. to daycare
3: too, so he's he's been sick for like two
1: years. So, <laughs> so this is so. Tell me the so, tell me the word. Did you guys figure it out yet? Oh, no. Session.
3: Well, consummation. I mean, I could say I could say potential romance craft without intention of sexual intercourse. But yeah, I don't know the euphemism. Say okay. that potential Liebeskunst ohne uh, Geschlechtsverkehrsabsicht. All Would right. that be right?
1: That what do you think, Kevin? That sounds about right. All right, that's our next yeah. that's our next Judge John Hodgman t shirt. This is the sound of a gavel <laughs> Judge John Hodgman rules in favor of Kevin, that is all. Please
0: rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Wow, Kevin, now how do you feel about the judge's decision?
2: I feel um pretty good. I have to admit, I did not catch the date that we have settled on for Ross's visit, but um I look forward to it.
3: April fifth, I think it is, for oh, specificity's sake.
0: April fifth. We are all the entire internet now is registering this. April fifth.
3: <laughs> okay. Meet
0: us at
2: the American Galleries at the Metropolitan <laughs> Museum on that Saturday.
0: Uh, now, Ross, how how do you feel about having been ordered to
3: socialize? Well, uh, I do agree with that; it will be good for me. I'm glad that now there is a concrete date, and we're definitely doing it, and that it will no longer hang over as a as a neglect or a failure on my part, on my side of the friendship. But I do feel deprived of the opportunity to have, and and I guess I was just too late to have voluntarily demonstrated this uh, to have voluntarily done it for myself as well. But um, uh, I take all the points to heart. The only thing that I felt sort of um, the urge to rear up against was the idea that I've been a neglectful friend, which I think Kevin would agree that. And I think one could take into account even from this podcast that I've had him over so often and hosted him and made him a part of my family here. And uh, I think we have a very reciprocal friendship in every aspect other than the visiting. But maybe that's all that the judge meant. Yeah,
0: I think that's I, all that he meant.
3: Yeah,
0: but but that that but that visiting is like obviously key to your friendship, and that you have now the opportunity to instigate regular visitation on your own accord after this one court mandated one compulsory visit, compulsory right? Compulsory art show. <laughs> well, all right. I'll well, enjoy, thank I'll you, enjoy it. thank you both for being guests on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks.
4: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
3: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
4: And at MaximumFun.org. Hi,
0: John.
1: Oh, hey, John. Guten Tag. (laughs) Guten Morgan and Good Morgan. and much tardes to you. <laughs> I can't How's believe your, you, don't uh, speak, uh, you don't speak German, John, with your interest in, in the Second World War.
0: Yeah. You've well, probably picked also, up
1: quite a bit just from reading the sides of aeroplanes and U-boats. Yeah, I do. I do have quite a bit
0: of of, of casual German and, and I really aspired to learn to speak the language. It's probably my favorite of the european languages and i just never i didn't i didn't learn that about it until late and i never have undertaken a concentrated study of it but i i I love the culture
1: i have never been to berlin and i would love to go i hear it's fantastic oh my god it really is fantastic well it really is great uh well let's go together Let's go right now. We hey, have nothing I know. Else to Why do. don't we
0: go to Berlin? Let's do that. It'll yeah. be like a road movie. We a have, road show.
1: We have nothing else to do right now at all. So here I go. Okay. Well, uh, let's clear this docket first. Oh, of I of- forgot about the docket. Okay. We can't go to Berlin. Yeah. Fine. Justice comes first. Bit okay, uh, to shouldn't.
0: K All right. Well, so let's do, let's get this docket done and then we'll go to Berlin. Okay. Alright, Dougald writes Dougold. Douglas Douglas Dougald Dougald. Well, you say that you say that as though Dougald is more obvious a pronunciation than Dougald.
1: D-O-U-G-A-L-D Lamont. Right. Dougald Lamont of Winnipeg.
0: Oh, it's a Canadian name, so of course yeah. it's pronounced Dougold. Yeah, I just saw him in Winnipeg last Saturday. Dougald. Dougald. Dougold. Dougold <laughs> and Dougie
1: would be the diminutive. Or Dowgie. Right? Or Dowgie. Well, so then it's Dowgled. Why don't we just hear what he has to say? All right.
0: Dougald says, as a Winnipeg pedant, I'm compelled to explain the etymology for Winnie the Pooh, which you addressed in the docket clearing segment of the episode titled Honk If You Love Justice. The name Winnie comes from a real bear named Winnipeg. Lieutenant Harry Colburn was on his way to the Great War on a troop train when he picked up an orphaned bear cub in White River, Ontario. Picked up an orphaned bear cub, eh? Yeah. Sure. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he took it with him you to would, England. You would
1: be you would be you would be arrested for
0: that these days. You would be, and that is, you know, uh, uh, Ontario during the Great War was a lawless country.
1: To be right. honest. Let's hear the rest of this story spun by Dougald.
0: Uh, Lieutenant Harry Colburn Took the bear with him to England Where Winnie ended up in the London Zoo Where she was a favorite of children for years Including A.A. Milne's Actual child, Christopher Robin
1: Okay, wait a minute So So Lieutenant Harry Colburn Was on his way to the Great War Right Stole a bear <laughs> Wait, he was on a troop train And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa Stop the train Stop troop the train! Tra- <laughs> They's Look a at that bear, bear. cub. And they, uh, it. and they said yes. And he went out and he got this bear cub. He was a lieutenant after all. And then he took it with him to England, naming it Winnie after his hometown of Winnipeg. Though the bear, the bear was never in Winnipeg. And then he donated it to the London Zoo, presumably because someone finally told him, hey, we need you to fight in this war. Stop hanging around the bear. You can't bring a bear with you.
0: In any case, Doogie continues. (laughs) When I first heard this story, I refused to believe it. But proof is available in the form of the non-Disney copyright infringing film, A Bear Called Winnie. What? It It stars Michael Fassbender, Stephen Fry, and in the role of Winnie, the black bear from The Sopranos, whose day rate was only exceeded by Fry's.
1: All right, so this is a fictional film that he's offering as proof—a fictionalized film. No, I've looked it up. It's real. It's real, and Fair. and I confirmed it with Stephen Fry. Wow, I'm always looking. I'm always looking for a reason to write Stephen Fry a letter. He always, <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah, he always <laughs> he always writes me back very quickly, very graciously, with the with the undercurrent of please stop writing. Hey pal, it's your good pal John Hodgman. Hey, just, remember that time I was in? I was on your TV show QI and I didn't say anything? Well, guess okay. what? A Canadian wrote me to tell me that he was your stand-in on an obviously fictional film about a non-Winnie-the-Pooh. And he wrote back, he said, yes, it was, and it starred uh, Michael Fassbender in an early role, and I urge you to miss it. His precise words. <laughs> well, he uh, so back to Doogie, he says, I was a
0: stand-in for Fry on this film shoot. And sat next to Michael Fassbender at lunch. He was very nice. All right. All the right.
1: photo is included. We're going to put that up on the blog of Dougald Lamont dressed as Stephen Fry might have dressed had he been a zookeeper in London in the, uh, I guess, 20s. Teens. Teens, teens late teens. Uh, and, oh well, wait a minute. Is it about the
0: war, or is it about no, the? This is it's he, about this, after the this
1: war. is after the after the yeah, war. I, guess I think. Who knows? I, know, I don't know. I, you know, my 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 knowledge of London zookeeper uniform insignias has really rather fallen by the wayside. <laughs> so I don't know what style he's wearing, but I can tell you that I met Dougal Lamont after exchanging inter, information with him on Twitter for years. When I went to Winnipeg uh, just just recently to 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 speak at the. Uh, uh, to be interviewed on stage by Bill Richardson at the MTC Warehouse Theatre in Winnipeg, I had a wonderful time. Uh, uh, Dougal Lamont is uh, a, a perfect stand-in for Stephen Fry, exact exact height, and uh, and we all went out. We all went out and had uh, uh, drinks after at a lovely Winnipegian bar, and it was a terrific time in the Great North. I really hope to do a real tour of Canada one of these days because I love Canada. I only have two more provinces and three territories to visit before I've, I've seen them all. And then I get free health care. Um, but uh, in the meantime, you can find out more of my upcoming live appearances. I'm getting the plug in early here, John. JohnHodgman.com slash tour. I have upcoming big shows at Largo in Los Angeles and Durham, North Carolina, in Akron, Ohio. And at all of these shows, I will be meeting, uh, uh, d- uh, signing and maybe even whining. Uh, with you folks after the show So I hope you will come by Including the show we mentioned earlier, John You and me go into Santa Fe, New Mexico On June 2nd, the day before my birthday To perform for an audience of George R.R. R. Martin And whatever other people show up I can't wait
0: for the show Although the onus is on me To read this uh, Lord of the Rings style uh, Page turner Game of Thrones It's not Lord. So, of, it's not Lord of the Rings style So that I'm not standing there Making fox passes as I try to talk to George R. R. Martin about it, a book that I'm sure everyone he meets adores and lauds well, and so i don't I don't want to be the fool that stands there and says, Are there hobbits?
1: And then everyone glowers at me. Two things, John. one is i I don't want to oversell it because I would hate it if you didn't like this book, but this these these books are are really great. And they are not Lord of the Rings, which I love Lord of the Rings, but what they are specifically known for is injecting um, the harsh reality of medieval life and tech- and details of medieval warfare into a fantasy setting for the first, arguably the first time in contemporary fantasy literature. And this guy knows his way around suits of armor. I have a feeling mm. that from just from the point of view of weaponry and gorgets, and mm-hmm. uh, and murder holes this is going to be really right up your alley second of i do all, like all that stuff second of all you don't need to talk about game of thrones with george R. R. martin because when you meet him you you, would, you could you just talk about burritos with him and he would be very happy oh i like burritos too yeah that's why i'm going for the burritos medieval weaponry and burritos that's a full weekend and maybe a new judge john hodgman t-shirt i'm not sure yet Is there anything else on the docket? Uh, yes. There is another,
0: uh, another case or another, uh, yeah. Murder was the case that they gave her. Let's see. Lisa writes, my boyfriend Lucas and I have opposing views when it comes to parking. All right. I think you should always try for a good spot before heading to the back end of the parking lot. Because you'll often get one close to your destination. Lucas takes the opposite approach and parks as soon as he enters the parking lot in the first, often farthest, spot he comes across. I would like you to order Lucas to take a different approach to parking that involves quickly checking for good spaces before resigning to parking further away.
1: John Roderick, you have been such an able guest bailiff, and this kind of question is, I sense, so up your alley with regard to your Intrinsic sense of vehicular correctness and desire to put things in order and to school fools—that I'm going to give you first crack at this, and then I'll tell you whether I agree with you or not.
0: Well, as much as I am loath to ever order someone uh, to do su- to, to to adopt such a small new methodology, right? <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: that was very funny
0: the furthest thing from my instinct right is sure. to order people to change their ways mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in this case i feel like uh, the goal entering any parking lot the only goal is to park as close to the corner of the lot uh to park in the corner of the lot that is as close to your ultimate destination as possible. So that when you enter the parking lot, you have in mind where you are going to go once you've parked. And then you go to that part of the parking lot and get as close to that, to the the exit as you can be to eliminate all wasteful walking. And the idea, and I understand Lucas's position that he comes in, he doesn't want to, He's been frustrated before, driving around and around, looking for an open spot. And so he drives in and it's the first open spot he sees, he parks and then what he sees his job to be, which is to park the car in the lot. He has completed the task and he feels like he's done a good job. But in fact, I think he's misreading what his job is. His job is to park in the lot as close to where he's going as he can possibly get. And if that involves driving around the parking lot 35 times, frustratedly pounding on the steering wheel, screaming at idiots, then so be
1: it. Yeah, why would you rob yourself of that great screaming at idiots time? Yeah,
0: right. You're there alone in the car or with your friend. The windows are rolled up and you're driving around looking for a spot and then... Oh, you miss a spot because somebody's ahead of you and oh this guy there's a guy that took up two spots like you're you these are fantastic opportunities to be yelling at idiots and then when a spot finally does open right next to the elevator let's say or right next to the right across the street from the spot then you feel like
1: all that time was worth it i think that uh, i agree with you john that it is, it is probably worth uh, uh, at least one tour around the lot to see if if there is a close parking spot available. Right. Um, I don't know that I agree with you that it is it is uh, uh, man's obligation to get himself wound up in a fit of rage <laughs> every time he needs to buy a pint of milk. Uh, <laughs> But that's how I live. I mean, that's how I live. Why, I mean, why I would live, you deprive so. yourself
0: of the joy of being uh, wound up in a fit of rage? Yeah,
1: that's how I live, too. So I I, I I concur with the judgment of the bailiff. And I am grateful that you were able to step in this time since Jesse Thorne was not here. Jesse will be back in two weeks' time. But in the meantime, John, you'll be back next week, I hope. That's right. And It'll we be can my pleasure. We can follow you at, at JohnRoderick on Twitter. And uh, we can listen to your great podcast with Merlin Mann, Roderick on the Line. How?
0: Uh, it's on the iTunes. It is called Roderick on the Line. You can find it on the interwebs. webs. Ha- there's a Twitter for it uh, at Roderick on. Really, you would have to you would have to be trying not to listen to it now, to to have not listened to it by now.
1: It's the perfect you're- thing to listen to while you're driving around a parking lot. I'll tell you that That's right. right now. That's right. It will it will
0: it will support and
1: bolster your feelings
0: of rage. And it'll give you a good outlet. You can turn your rage on us.
1: It is it's a, it's like a nerve tonic or an invigorating patent medicine to listen to you school fools on that podcast. I always and I always and end up feeling like I am I am I am ready to take on the world and be more opinionated than I already am. And it feels good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Who uh, named the case this week, John? Well, we'd like to give thanks to Ellen
0: Houlihan for suggesting this week's case name. Thanks, Ellen. To suggest, yeah, thank you, Ellen. Uh, to suggest a name for a future case, like us on Facebook, Judge John Hodgman regularly puts out a call for submissions. I've been your guest bailiff, John Roderick. Julia Smith produces the show. Mark McConville is our editor. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Judge John Hodgman
1: Podcast. Yeah, thanks. And also to the person on Twitter who gave me credit for going, oh boy, may I just say that I stole that from Tom Sharpling and the best show will return. That is all.
4: The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at Forum.MaximumFun.org and our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
1: MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.